Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, one and all, and a very warm welcome to Book Off, the literary podcast with a difference. I'm Joe Haddow, and wherever you are in the world, it's great to have you with us. And today I'm joined by two fabulous writers who'll be going head-to-head in a war of the words a little later on. My first guest is a multi-award-winning comedy and drama writer whose credits include Veep, The Thick of It, and Succession. She's won five Emmys, a Golden Globe and a BAFTA. Thank you very much for her work and recently published her memoir, My Mess is a Bit of a Life, which we'll be talking about today. Georgia Pritchett, welcome to you. Hello. Hello, hello. It's lovely to have you with us. And my second guest is an actress, writer, director and podcaster. She stars in Showtime's Black Monday and the sitcoms Marry Me and Happy Endings. Many will also know her from films such as Gone Girl, The Disaster Artist and Always Be My Maybe, or from listening to her hit podcast, Bitch Sesh. I am, of course, talking about Casey Wilson. Welcome to Book Off, Casey. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. It's, it's great to have you both here. And, and you you know each other, don't you? You're, you're mates because you've been working on a thing. Well, we were mates. We fell out quite badly. Um, we're no longer speaking to each other. This is <laughs> this awkward. Could be. This could be. It's really awkward. <laughs> and I'm sure it'll just get better when we do the book off. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Georgia wrote an incredible series, if I may, that's uh, on Apple TV Plus based on a podcast called The Shrink Next Door, of which... She generously cast me in. So with uh, other notables that I was able to teach the craft to, uh, Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell and Catherine Hahn. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All needed a bit of uh, bit of advice, I think, Casey. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And your first time as showrunner, I believe, Georgia? Yes, yes. How was that? that? Was scary, yeah. Well, it was a bit of a shock to the system, um, having... <laughs> You have to get up quite early and you can't I mean I'm a big I'm a big after lunch sugar crash person and that's just not an option really when you're on set having to talk to people like Casey who I fondly refer to as meat puppets or warm props. That's sort of the basis of our falling out really was me <laughs> screaming Do you meat puppets say the fucking lines right? <laughs> um, that's right. It's hard to come back yeah. from that. Yeah. 
I can see why it could become uh, quite tense a bit later on, Casey. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 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 Georgia and I are in are in the swinging uh, city of London. How is my beloved Los Angeles, Casey, my second home? Oh, it's just such a gorgeous city as always. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's 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 eighty eight degrees. And of course, just it is a sunny hellscape. But happy to be here. I'm actually coming for Thanksgiving, Casey. You are where to yeah. my home? Yes. <laughs> Thank you for asking me. <laughs> Honestly, I would love to have you break up the genuine tension between my family, my husband's family. <laughs> Are you going for Thanksgiving or are you going for work I that am. happens yeah. to... T- oh, you are? Okay, wow. I'm going for Thanksgiving. I've never, I've never celebrated the mass slaughter of Indigenous people and I really would like to do that. Mm. Uh, yeah. I did it once, actually. Um, mm. 2003. Um, and I got caught out by the people going around the... T- what are you thankful for? And I was, and I was the guest, so therefore I got asked first. And I sort of made a, a bit of a, ju- you know, I just sort of made a, a silly thing. I was, you know, thankful for the yeah. trifle, and um, mm. that's not really the, the, the way, is no. it, Casey? That's it's not no. really the American way. You it's made not. the mistake of being British, there, Joe. I that's did. What you, Cardinal yeah. sin. Yeah. And we already didn't want you here, you know. Um, it's. <laughs> It's tough. I know people really want to drop into serious answers there. It's like they want to have that moment of break, almost like you breaking down over your gra- sitting in so much gratitude. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yeah. So this is this is good prep, Georgia, for you if you've not experienced one before, it, it right? It is actually, yeah, because we're not a very grateful people, are we, the British? No, and, we, and I don't think we're... We, I don't yeah. think I was ready for the earnestness of it. Mm. Yeah, Georgia, I'm curious what you're going to say to that question. Well, I will say when I did all this press for Shrink Next Door, I had a hard time because I've only been in such broad comedy that I couldn't believe people were genuinely asking like questions about my craft. And I kept thinking this is a joke. They're like, now, how did you prepare? And I, I, not to say, Georgia, I didn't prepare, but it just, I'm like, they can't possibly be looking for a serious answer. But I'd never worked with real actors before, like Catherine, so <laughs> they were looking for that. <laughs> but I felt um, a bit British in those, in that moment. <laughs> so as regular listeners will know, over the next 40 minutes or so, we're going to talk about both of your brilliant memoirs. We're going to get some reading recommendations from you of, of what you might have read and enjoyed recently. And of course, we'll do the book off where... You'll probably take each other's heads off by the sounds of it. But more on that later. Let's first talk about, um, Georgia, if I may, My Mess is a Bit of a Life, as I mentioned earlier. Now, this is a, a brilliant book that I loved. I got sent it right at the beginning of the year, a proof copy, and I really, really enjoyed it. And I wondered how it felt for you to be the sort of complete centre of attention when you publish this book, because it's not somewhere that you're usually used to being, I imagine. <laughs> Yes, it no, it's absolutely horrifying and this is a hideous ordeal. <laughs> and I I it was a, just a terrible lapse in judgment. I can only put it down to lockdown madness. I'm a very private person and I I have accidentally written something very personal. Very. <laughs> both um, of these both of these books are incredibly personal. Yes. 
because you know this George it tells the story of your your life and, and your career and it's framed with some mental health struggles so what other than the madness of lockdown what what was it that made you want to tell the tell us all this story do you think <laughs> I can't emphasize enough how much I didn't want to tell you this story but um, I mean you didn't have to <laughs> <laughs> I, I can only apologise for inflicting it on you. Well, I mean, at some years ago, my agent suggested I write a memoir and I told her in no uncertain terms that the one thing we could be very sure of in this life is that I would never, ever write a memoir. Um, but somewhere in the spectrum of encouraging, tricking, bullying, threatening, somewhere in amongst that she she did that to me and I did um I did give it a go and also as it says in the book being British I'm not very good at expressing my feelings and somehow doing it writing it is easier than talking about it mm. so um yeah so I wrote about it and I was very very scared uh when <laughs> I was told it was going to be published, but I told Casey and she was very lovely and she gave me her book and I read it and loved it. And it made me feel so much better because I, because it's, as you say, there, there are some similarities and it's so personal and moving and funny. And it, that sort of inspired me to not break into the factory that's printing <laughs> it and set fire to it. <laughs> You're you're so right, and and what's lovely is to have you both on is that you're, you know, very good friends, slash enemies, um, but that that these these books have have such similarities, not in necessarily the the stories, but in their in their style and in the way that perhaps some of them have been approached. And and Casey, the wreckage of my presence is is your book, and it's it's a collection of essays, which is a really interesting way of approaching reflecting on your past work and experiences and relationships uh, <laughs> so what were you sort of uh also held at gunpoint or whatever that happened with george's agent what, what how did this one come about well i i genuinely was listening to that thinking i don't think my agents have ever prodded me to do anything like i'm so <laughs> impressed that they i'm always like i want to do this um <laughs> But I, I really do love the form of comedic essays and essays in general, and especially, I don't know if it's my attention span as a reader, I love reading those books, but also just little snippets. And I love David Sedaris, and he's always mm. been such a huge fan of his. And so I, I really like the form. And, and then I kind of was about to turn 40 and I felt like, I think I'm ready to like try to maybe tell some of these stories. And But it feels so kind of self-important or something to be like, I'm writing a, a memoir, but kind of tried to think that it would never get published and I was just writing this to entertain and myself and make myself depressed <laughs> and then similarly it got put out <laughs> a question for for both of you Casey I'll ask you first screenwriting acting working on movies sitcoms very collaborative processes writing a book completely solitary so did you embrace this sort of change in working pattern or, or was it awful? 
I actually, I was so terrified of the idea of just working alone because I've always had a, my writing partner, June, we've been writing together since college. And then, yeah, you know, being on sets or even doing a podcast and getting to improvise and have fun with my co-host. So this was terrifying, but I have to say it was so nice in a way to just kind of put out, you almost have no one to blame if it doesn't go well, but at the same time, just put out what you want to, because I think so much of what I've done, you're noted to death. And, and I actually like that about podcasts too. It's kind of the wild west where no one's really bearing down because no one cares what you're doing, but there's something <laughs> nice to just kind of do and shape what you want to do. And um, so I actually really ended up liking it once I got over the fear of just, there's no, I'm such a social person and there's no one on the journey with you, but mm. yourself and your editor. Is that the same for you, Georgia? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I love writing. So I do it every day, whether or not someone's asking me to or whether they're begging me not to. Um, and <laughs> um, I definitely... Me and Casey are just like, wow. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> Shaking like, wow. our heads, just like in disbelief. <laughs> yeah, I mean, writing is so horrible, but... <laughs> Why you're so successful at it. (laughs) Well, I don't know about successful. I think I'm just relentless and persistent because I think it does keep me sane. So, so, you know, it doesn't matter if someone's paying me or I'll just keep writing. And the great thing about writing scripts is, you know, you do literally get to put words in other people's mouths. And then when it goes wrong, you can say, ah, the script of Shrink Next Door was great. But then Casey came in and just ruined it um and then i say like i had nothing to work with so there's only so much i can do out here (laughs) so so yes uh, it is terrifying to be on your own and not have anyone else to blame and yeah it's it's really weird but i did find it kind of fascinating because i don't know if you know this fact casey but while i was writing it it's so interesting once you start remembering things you start it sort of opens the door and you start remembering more and more. And then I read this really interesting fact that um, we only ever remember anything once. And then every time after that, we remember remembering it. That's how our brains work, apparently. Uh, And that was really interesting. So in a way, we're all writing our memoirs all the time because we're always kind of honing our sort of backstories or our anecdotes or or our origin stories or whatever. Um, mm. And I did, I did find that really interesting. And so when I was writing uh, about my childhood, I tried to keep, to be very honest about the rather sort of hazy, impressionistic sort of memories and experiences, because I think you don't get the whole picture as a child. And I didn't want to sort of imbue those memories with kind of hindsight or or understanding that I didn't have then. And that was really fun to kind of, luckily I'm still very childish and confused. So so that does continue through the book. But but I, I, I really sort of enjoyed trying to represent it as I experienced it rather than um, trying to make sense of it as it were. Yes. That's given me a lot to think about there, which is why I'm sort of just <laughs> pausing really? on that. Yeah. Um, I heard not to get too in the weeds of, of quotes about memory and writing, but gosh, why am I blanking on the author who wrote all of Kittredge and um, I am Lucy Elizabeth Barton. Strout. Elizabeth yes. Strout. 
in Lucy Barton, the character's a writer, and I saw the Broadway show Go With Me here, played by Laura Linney, so this is many steps away. <laughs> Did you but, read the book or did you just no, see the show? No, no, no. And I didn't see the show either. I saw the playbill, but it was really, <laughs> the ads in it were really nice. Um, but Laura Linney's character says that we all only have one story to tell and we just tell it and find different ways of telling it. Wow. You know, writers and non-writers alike. And I think it's that we're just retelling our own narrative kind of wow. over and over, I thought was just offering that you know wow. on the heels yeah. of your comment that's so interesting because because i was i the one thing in my life i have not been confused about is that i wanted to be a writer so before i could even write i would speak stories into a tape recorder and they were all stories about a budgie who'd fallen out of its nest and was trying to find its way home it's a niche genre i grant you and it hasn't <laughs> In quite the way I'd hoped, but I tell you what, there'd be a there'd be an audience for a podcast of that now, Georgia. You know, niche, <laughs> yes, yes. niche is There's what people want. A, a subsection, yeah. Mm. But now I'm looking at everything I've written, thinking, is that is Roman on Succession just a budgie <laughs> trying to find his way home? Like, it's just. <laughs> and in some ways, you could say yes. Actually, yes. <laughs> isn't that all of Succession? Every character. <laughs> All the Ultimately, budgies are trying to find maybe, their way except home. Except Jerry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So what's the story you keep telling, Casey? I think about my childhood, I think, or or I think just not wanting to be misunderstood. For some reason, being mm -hmm. misunderstood is my... Yeah. Only because I try to be self-aware, and if I, I feel that there's not harmony around my trying to be funny mm -hmm. or intentions or being self-deprecating mm. it's so difficult and the worst times in my life like when I was fired from SNL is an example or like oh no what a misunderstanding that I wasn't quite yeah um I don't know so something to do with that I think and I feel Always. like what I loved about all, all your essays was that you're like looking for answers all the time which I think is, I could really relate to. Like whatever weird situation you get into, you want to, whether it's the pubic hair or the psychic baby, like you're, you're always looking for answers. Yeah, yes. and finding so few. <laughs> <laughs> so, so few. Have you, have you found more or less answers as you've got older, do you think, Casey? think more or or the need to find them so Maybe much less the need, I'm yeah. lazy yeah, yeah. or I don't care anymore or yeah I will say not to be cheesy but I'm curious this for you Georgia and people ask this and it's kind of like oh good but I truly am wondering because I have found writing the book really satisfied something for me in terms of putting something to bed with my like family of origin and kind of I truly am settling into my own it's like I have two small boys I'm in my own family a lot more I think and there was a cathartic quality to writing it and just personally nothing to do with even like artistic anything what did you mm. feel that I did I mean I don't know if it's being British or being a comedy writer but I'm so consumed with self-loathing that I did find that you know, when you write, when you put it down, I think when you're in the middle of the, your chaotic life, you can be really hard on yourself and think, oh, I should be a better mother, writer, friend, partner, whatever it is. But then when you write it down and kind of look back on yourself, you, I, I could find a slither, sliver 
of compassion for my younger self and sort of think, oh, you were trying really hard. You know, you're maybe you're not the stupidest person to ever exist. You're you're in the top ten, but you're not number one. Right? <laughs> yeah. When I was young, I had a worry doll, and it was this little sort of like pipe stick figure that sat in a wicker basket. And I used to tell it my worries before I went to bed and then put it up on the shelf. And worrying and worries is a theme that meanders through. Is there a is there an adult version of a worry doll, Georgia? Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I mean, as a child, I had anxious bear, which is in the book. As in, I mean, maybe writing is my worry doll. I, I was going to say, it sounds like yours is writing. Yeah, I would Not love to to be a heavy drinker but I'm my body will not stand for that you've been trying to get um, alcoholism to take for so long just won't yeah it won't um so yeah I think I think you're right writing if I don't do it I I do get sad and and anxious and what wonder what the point of me is so yeah maybe Mm. that's it what about you Katie oh my gosh I mean, I think a worry, I don't know. I mean, I'm like, I know I have my clonopin, but I I think per- laughing and performing, I think, is probably yeah. that as well. Yeah. Just having a laugh with people. And I, I like improvising, too, because it's just so right there. And, mm. yeah, just laughing with friends that are funny. <laughs> I think. And you have different things at different times of your life, like in in all seriousness like desperate housewives saw you through some tough times that was like your yes comfort blanket for a while yes it's so true yes i found comfort in be it reality television or <laughs> yeah. yeah charlatan astrologer telling me something <laughs> or whomever i've hired and thrown money at yeah to tell me what to do with myself was was it yeah. inevitable that the both of your books were going to be humorous because although both of them touch on some really deep themes and, and there's some serious stories and issues in both of them the, I, I was laughing I was laughing and I was sort of enjoying reading these humorous takes on things and I I wondered if that was just the way that they had to be written for both of you or was it a sort of conscious decision I well I'm so emotionally unevolved there had to be humor because I wouldn't be able to just write about my feelings I had to be sort of mocking myself Mm. at the same Mm -hmm. time I think I do think it's a really good tool and I think whether it's tv or books or anything I think if you can make people laugh then they kind of relax their defenses are down and then you can hit them with something quite powerful and honest Mm -hmm. and real I agree with that 100 percent yeah 100 percent I want to just before we find out about some book recommendations, talk about a couple of other projects. Casey, I want to talk about Bitch Sesh in a moment. But Georgia, a a couple of years ago, I I did an event with Will Smith and Simon Blackwell, who are colleagues Mm -hmm. of yours on um, The Thick of It and Veep, I believe. Um, And in fact, our our event was about Veep, which is just one of my favourite shows of all time. And I remember Will describing the difference between the th- the thick of it creating the thick of it and essentially working in hollywood and i think he just said it's shinier um <laughs> and i <laughs> and i wondered 
having now, you know, having worked on Veep and now on Succession, which everyone's talking about, and we, and we love this show. Uh, and you're working, you know, a lot more in America now. Is it, what what is it about America in these shows? Is it the shininess that has drawn you in, or is there something else? <laughs> you know, I wish it was the shininess. To be completely honest, and this is difficult to say uh, because we're so um, sort of primed not to say anything negative. But the truth is, I'm a sort of comedy refugee, and and. And I get work in America because they are more forgiving about the fact that I am persistently female. And in the UK, I was the only woman in the room for 25 years. And every single broadcaster said to me when I suggested shows, we already have something with women in it. So, you know, the States just have a different attitude towards comedy, you know, right from the very first sitcoms, Lucille Ball and Mary Tyler Moore and Rhoda, mm. and they've always had women in the lead and they've always had women writers and it just hasn't been an issue for them. But, you know, when I started out, people really were having that conversation, are women funny? And still today in the UK, the most successful sitcom is starring a man dressed up in a dress playing a woman. And I just think it'd be great if there was a woman in the lead instead of yeah. a man in a dress. Um, so, yeah, I've gone where the work has, has come from. And thankfully, right. I've had some brilliant experiences on Veep and Succession and now Shrink Next Door. It's just been a complete dream and I've loved every second of it. And that's amazing. And am, am I right in thinking Veep was actually the, the first project you worked on where there, where you were not the only woman in the room? Yeah, that's oh, right. Is that so, true, Georgia? Yeah. So I still haven't worked with another woman in the UK. But yeah, there were two other women on Veep. It was so exciting. And I, I'm sort of embarrassed to admit how pathetically validating it was to sit opposite some women who looked a bit like me and dressed a bit like me and had kind of similar life experiences. And I just thought, wow, this is what it's like to be a white man every second of every day when you walk in any room or turn on yeah. the TV or go anywhere and it's really good for your self-esteem you kind of you it's just really nice and it and it really I love all the the, the men I've been working with over here and I'd never known anything different but funnily enough once I'd worked with other women I kind of thought oh I, I see what I've been missing now that's I like that that's nice yeah well that's that's great to hear that you're able to do that and you're getting the work and not so good to hear about what we need to change and happen over over in this side of the ponds. But we look forward to whatever you and your fellow female writers are creating next. And I, I mentioned the podcast, Casey, you're a fellow podcast host. Bitch mm-hmm. Sesh is uh, is your, your hit podcast. For those who may be listening and are looking for their next podcast, uh, <laughs> perhaps you could just give us a, a little bit of the elevator pitch for this one. Sure. Well, it's sometimes, especially in such a highbrow literary podcast as such as this, it's it's tough to to break this news, but it is about the Real Housewives. <laughs> but it is a comedy podcast ultimately, and we both, by terms, love these women and hate them so much and have fun, <laughs> and we just have comedians on, kind of really indulging in and picking apart the minutiae of just such nonsense. So it's delightful and stupid and fun. <laughs> 
we just try not to take anything too seriously and just share about our lives. And it's for some reason, we thought we'd be shouting into the void, but, but jet, you know, people really have come to like it, which is so shocking, including people who don't even listen to the, watch the real house. So yeah, that's... God bless. People are like, I love your podcast. I don't know what you're talking about, but I would no more listen to anything that I don't watch the source material, but wow. God bless. Yeah. I mean, Hey, that's the you know that that that's that's the biggest compliment you might you could probably get. I guess, Casey, I guess, I guess. I wasn't trying to do a humble brag, but it's just <laughs> no, mystifying. But like... <laughs> and do do the Real Housewives listen? You know they don't, which is amazing, and I'm so happy. And we we really try to enforce as much as you can enforce a very large group of people on the internet to not tag them because I we never I don't want to hurt their feelings and. We just want to be free to talk about them behind their backs <laughs> and not have to be accountable or responsible to anyone. So yeah, I mean, they won't even read an article. Yeah. They won't read an article. And I don't mean that as a joke. That's been a major storyline where uh, uh, one of the housewives was like nearly arrested and everyone's referring to this LA Times article. And they're like, no, I couldn't finish it. But the other one's like, well, I didn't finish it either. But and so I don't expect them to listen to an hour long podcast every week. Yeah. So that's the kind of nice thing about them. I like the lofty ambitions you have for your podcast. It's good to have an aim in, in life. Just, yeah. yeah. Good. Yep. I'd love to ask what you've both been um, reading and enjoying recently. I always ask my guests this. And I hate this question because when I get asked, I just, my mind goes blank. I, I forget that I've read like 10 books, but I'm not answering it. So, uh, Georgia, what have you been reading and enjoying recently? Oh, oh crikey. I might have to go and look at my bedside table yeah. to remember. <laughs> I, just to be perverse, I read... So, Adam Buxton has an excellent podcast. Yes, he does. And he, he suggested that... that you were we on. Should, I was on it, yes. He suggested that we listen to his book. So, just to be defiant and annoying i read his book um, <laughs> i really enjoyed that um and i i do read books sort of connected to work quite a bit and i just i don't often reread books but i've just been rereading one of my favorite books is a jenny lawson book do you know her case yes yes yeah I love, she's, she wrote a book called Let's Pretend This Never Happened. And I yes, just, I've read that book. It's so great. I love great. it so much. It's for, if you're into bad taxidermy and crazy childhoods, <laughs> then it's, it's going to tick every box for you. <laughs> Amazing. And oh what about God. you, Casey? Have you been, uh, you've been reading? I have. So I'm going to give my confession slash apology, which is that I'm only halfway through your book, Georgia. And I'm going to Hawaii in a week. I'm just and I'm hanging up now. <laughs> I, please, please don't, because I need to beat you in this book off. But I am loving it so much. And my partner's reading it too, Danielle, because we want to have you on our podcast and do a very proper excavation of it. Mm -hmm. And But you're so funny. And I'm, I'm loving it so much. So I have to do that little plug with a truthful caveat. Thank and you. very British. There are a lot of British references that right over my head. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> were they not um, Americanized? Some of them I did have to explain yeah. some of them. Yeah. Yeah. The Amer I think Casey's got the British version, but the American version is is being translated. I think I have a speak. British <laughs> translated. Oh my gosh. Um, 
But I also been reading, um, well, aforementioned David Sedaris has a book of his diaries that just came mm. out. Um, oh my God, it's Theft by Finding, I think it's called. So I've been reading that. Mm. And you can just literally flip to any page and laugh. I mean, yeah. it's so the fact that these are his diary entries are just just little fragments, little snippets of things people say to him <laughs> really make me laugh. He's so dark and twisted. <laughs> He's amazing. So I'm liking that. Great. Well, thank you for those recommendations. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And it's time for another two because it's time now for the book off where each of you is going to get three minutes uninterrupted if you want all three minutes to tell us about a book you love that you think we should all read. Now, a little bit of business and admin to get out of the way because if you finish before the three minutes is up, all good. If you're still talking at the three-minute mark, I'm either going to be ringing you out with the school bell or uh, giving you a honk of the bicycle horn. So, Casey, you look absolutely petrified at both of those. Which which one would you like uh, at your three-minute mark? I will take the bell, I think. Okay, fine. <laughs> and More dignified. Georgia, would you like be, to go? I want to be honked. Just you're going to be honked, no <laughs> problem. <laughs> Of it. Would you like to go first or second, Georgia? Um, I think I'll go second because I know Casey. She just she won't stick to the rules. She's just rebel without a cause, and she <laughs> rebel you know, with you've the got this brilliant format, Joe. But she's no respecter of <laughs> rules or formats. So <laughs> absolutely right, and. I have no respect for this. You said this is a book off between two books, but I am actually pitting two books against George's one. Wow. So, and these respect two for the rules nothing. has gone out the it's window. It's gone. Will you tell me when I start? I'm sorry. I well, left before right I set the time again, Casey, why don't you tell us the two books that you're putting forward in the book of? Okay. This is a highbrow, lowbrow combo. One is called Mike Nichols, A Life by Mark mm-hmm. Harris. And one is called Not All Diamonds and Rosé, the inside story of the Real Housewives from the people who lived it, by Dave Quinn. 
Fantastic. Will you be telling us which is highbrow and which is lowbrow? <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know. All right, well, there's three minutes on the clock then for you, Casey, uninterrupted to tell us about these two books. Over to you. Okay, so I'm going to start with Mike Nichols. I love Mike Nichols. I love all his movies. And Mark Harris, who is such a great biographer, wrote it. And it's so well-researched. It's so well-written. And Tina Fey says on the back, which I think is so right, and she says that it's high-end gossip. And it really is. (laughs) You're just right there in the trenches with movies that didn't work, movies that did. You're getting such wild anecdotes. I didn't know, and not in a salacious way, but I didn't know about his struggle with with heroin, actually, and and, and kind of uh, his spending. uh, excess behavior that I respect and have to be, look out for myself. So I really appreciated that. And kind of his, like we said, our one point of view and our one story is kind of how he infused that through all of his work and kind of how he grew up um, as an immigrant. And it was just, it's so well done. And there's some stories that'll just knock your socks off in there about um, uh, Virginia Woolf, his first movie, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, working with Elizabeth Taylor, and on to Melanie Griffith and what went on there. In Working Girl, it's really wonderful. Transitioning abruptly to the inside story of the Real Housewives from the people who lived at <laughs> Not All Diamonds and Rosé by Dave Quinn. So this masterpiece is an oral history of the Real Housewives, kind of led by the intrepid king, uh, Andy Cohen, and they just go so systematically. Dave Quinn is a beautiful lyrical writer, and he goes through every city of the franchise, and really they just take you through every character, and then there's rebuttals. You know, he's, he really has edited it so beautifully where one woman will be like, she threw her, when she threw her prosthetic leg across the table, it was planned. And the other woman's like, when I threw my prosthetic leg, it came to me in a minute. And you have to decide, <laughs> did Eva throw it as a premeditated gesture or not? So in that way, it's very, um, it brings you in. It really brings you in. But it is wild and so fun. And I consider them both on par with each other and both incredibly uh, beautiful books that I, I read in about a day, each of them. I'm going to stop there because I don't think there's what? more I need. Yeah. Look, I mean, that's that, that's like a minute a book. Yeah, that was, that was incredible. I mean, that was amazing. Unfortunately, my brain is so tiny. I now think Elizabeth Taylor threw her prosthetic leg at, <laughs> <laughs> at Mike Nichols. <laughs> at Andy Cohen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Well, we got we got lots to uh, lots to talk about there, which we will do, Casey, in just a moment. But you have a have a rest now and uh, get I back will. to whoever's mowing your lawn. Um, I, I'm going to actually yeah mute while Georgia goes. Up. <laughs> it's the morning in California here. It's a, um, it's a power play. Don't don't think anything. <laughs> I actually scheduled them. They're not supposed to be here now. <laughs> yeah, it's very clever timing. Uh, and just before I set your three minutes off, Georgia, tell us the book that you're putting forward. So the book is called Welcome to Biscuit Land, and it's by Jess Tom. Fantastic. All right, three minutes on the clock then. Over to you. Okay, so Jess uh, is this fantastic writer, performer and comedian uh, who I'm lucky enough to know. And she's written this kind of diary uh about her life because she has Tourette's which is a neurological disorder uh, which means that she makes sounds and movements which she has no control over. Um, She says biscuits about 16 times a minute which she tells me is six million times a year. Um, Now Tourette's you know is tough to live with she's in a wheelchair because of the condition 
But as well as the physical difficulties she experiences, she also has to deal with people's response to her situation. So it's kind of like being a celebrity without any of the good parts. Every time she goes out, people are staring, making comments, coming over, judging her. Um, and that, you know, people can be very um, weird about her. And, and it just means that anything she does, she has to kind of explain herself to people. And also, it's a bit like, as an anxious person, living an anxiety dream, because she will say the very worst thing you can say in any given situation. So she'll walk into a bank and say, hands up, everyone, or something like that. Um, so as a person who's I've completely lost track of how long I've been talking, but anyway, as a person who's fascinated by words, I love this woman and this book because she would say herself that she as a person is not particularly funny, but her tics are absolutely hilarious. And I encourage everyone to check out her website, Tourette's Hero, and you can just scroll through the archives of the funniest things. I mean, it's inspiring and dispiriting because her she can tick something funnier than I would ever write in 100 years. Um, and I'm going to read out some of them. Sometimes she ticks an entire song or poem. But I'm just going to read out some short ones. that I, These are very British and 80s. Um, so I'm not sure if Casey will get them. But here's a few. Terry Nutkins left his wash bag in Alan Hansen's garden shed. Sometimes I feel like doing a brass rubbing in Wolverhampton. There are two penguins working in a post office a little north of Winchester. What's the sheep to vol ratio in Kettering? I'm going to shake my fist at a Gordon Ramsay lookalike. I'm putting mild pressure on the bum saw of an Orthodox Jew. One day I'm going to break like a shatterproof ruler in the 80s. For sale sign, you've let us down. You could have been a protest placard, but you went more domestic. Um, do you think Jennifer Love Hewitt would look better with a dorsal fin? We should milk an alb albino chinchilla and make cheese for Justin Bieber. Somewhere over the rainbow, Barry Manilow shot a pig. Anyway, there's basically miles of comedy gold, and but there's also really moving, shocking, tender, inspiring moments of day-to-day -day life as a disabled person. She has this amazing relationship with the lamppost that's outside her window, which every night she falls asleep verbally <laughs> abusing. But it's just a generous... Great. Great book. Hey! <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Wow. That's, yeah. I mean. I mean, there's no contest. <laughs> Diamonds and Rose cannot <laughs> hold up. My, even my nickels can't even. I mean, I, I need this. I don't know if you decide, Joe, but I'm. I, I'm okay. I mean, I decide in some sort of, um, you know, I post the podcast, therefore I wave the magic wand. But let me let me come back, Casey, to your two pictures in one. I, I loved your pictures. I was I loved both. I want to read both of those books well, now. I, I, I'm strangely fascinated by it. Well, <clears throat> initially, when you when you mentioned them both, I thought, yeah, yeah, not all diamonds and rosé, blah, blah, whatever. Not interested. Give me the Mike Nichols, right? Give me the give me the Hollywood give me the stories of like you say elizabeth taylor um and then you sort of threw in some of the wild fun ride of you know going through every city in this book I mean, and i was a bit women like who have supported their husbands faking cancer i mean there there's some comedy in what they're up to in what they're up to absolutely funny yeah. yeah one woman started a charity called kill all cancer <laughs> Because of her oh, wow. fiance who never had cancer. That's oh, how wow. 
devoted she went to pretending he did and then someone broke into an office and stole the medical records of him he did not have cancer so these are also stories you really can't no i mean that's what's similar to both our suggestions is these are not fiction none of these books are fiction which is a little bit from someone who writes fiction like it's never going to be as good as any of these three books yeah but shrink next door is even based on a wild story so you're i don't know I and I loved, so. I loved the quote of uh, high-end gossip on the Mike Nichols book as well because I I do love a good uh, biography, autobiography, or you know tales of Hollywood, of filmmaking. So you know I'm I'm sort of draw- I, I imagine there's some pretty juicy stuff in there, right? Oh yeah, fights, yeah. things that are said. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Exactly. Yes, it's so very I loved- satisfying. I love the I love the audaciousness of pitching too, and the highbrow lowbrow options, Casey. No one's ever done that, so you've you know you are a, a that trailblazer. That might have to be a new thing. I like highbrow lowbrow. <laughs> and welcome to Biscuitland sounds unbelievable. I mean, in a in a brilliant way, unbelievable. I I don't know of Jess. Uh, I I now want to. The fact that. You know, she says biscuits six million times a year. What an what an incredible fact! And the the way that you talked about it, it is so brilliant. You, you said you love this woman, you love her book, you found her tick sort of in, almost inspiring because they're they're just so much funnier than what if you ten people in a room sat down and tried to craft it, they probably couldn't. This idea that she would walk into a bank and say the the worst thing possible. I mean. It it sounds fabulous, and I feel like I feel I feel like Welcome to Biscuit Land's got to win, right? I feel like it's got to be the winner. Yeah, I, and, I and I think agree. Casey was was agreeing with me. You know, it makes I it easier agree when 100%. I one hundred percent. Yeah, and I'm ordering this immediately. <laughs> it just sounds yeah, truly. You must sounds order it, so but also you must look at her website because because she's archived every tick she's ever said, and you, honestly, you'll lose you'll lose a week. Remind us there. of that address again well if you i think if you google tourette's hero because she's got this sort of tourette's hero superhero um you should get to it it's it's absolutely amazing yeah wow i think when you mentioned the worry doll the lamppost alone is a great idea for all of us to train our anxieties and anger the worry the worry doll of adult life is the lamppost yeah she really gives it a hard time You know, sometimes you got to take a fall, you know. Hey, someone's got to so pay the paper. It seems it's so true. In fact, if you go to her website, you can look up just her ticks to the lamppost. And the, it is like charting a sort of marriage. Just all the things she's said to it over the years is a very beautiful. And, oh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still, still standing. There. Yeah. So it's a long-standing relationship, right? It's very common. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I loved I loved all of those pictures. Thank you so much for for bringing them to our attention. Um, I may I may yet seek out not all diamonds and rose. Though. You never know, Casey. It could be it could be that that should sit alongside my mm-hmm. Mike Nichols research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my mess is a bit of a life by Georgia Pritchett is out now. It's published by Faber, and the wreckage of my presence by Casey Wilson is also out now. Published by Harper Collins. What an absolute pleasure to have you both on the podcast thank you so much for being here for your recommendations I'm sorry you had to have me and my gardener <laughs> and thanks for bringing the gardener along because you know, we, we really appreciate it and I think 
you know any any sort of audio texture is a real yeah. is a real help and addition in these in that's these such a nice reframing of, of yeah it, it makes it thank real thank you so yeah? much for having me real. and thanks for asking me i feel very it. la like it's, it's just sunny and it's la and there's <laughs> the gardener and yeah he's probably hot Oh, I'm yeah. gonna just go and make a mimosa and yeah, knock off yeah. work. Sure. I put in way too much already on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, such a pleasure, Georgia Casey. Thank, thank you, you so please much. Please watch how brilliant Casey actually is in the shrink next door. Yes, we will on Apple TV. Apple TV. Plus. Apple TV Plus. I hate Apple TV Plus. People come down pretty hard on me on that. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.